Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you are tuning in. Welcome to Homesteading and Gardening in the Suburbs. I'm Emma from Misfit Gardening and today we're talking about growing rutabagas, also known as neeps or swedes. Um, They have many, many different names like winter turnips, Swedish turnips, table turnips, But I know them as rutabagas now that I am here in the US and they are grown for their roots, which is a yellowy orange flesh that's hidden beneath the skin. The skin can usually be a brownish green or a creamy kind of light pale green. Sometimes they're brown. Sometimes the tops of them are purple. They come in lots of weird and wonderful shapes and sizes too. And they're another one of these underrated crops that we can grow in our garden. Now, the deeper the color, usually, but not always, but usually the sweeter the flavor. And they have this kind of like low level kind of peppery warmth to them which makes them different from turnips turnips often have quite a peppery bite to them um whereas rutabagas do not um they go very well together in the classic uh of mashed carrots and swede that i grew up on in the uk um so if you're looking for you know united kingdom classics of how to eat your rutabagas um that is one also um neeps and tatties so potatoes and uh, rutabagas mashed together as well I don't think I've eaten mashed carrots and swede for at least 10 years. Um, but if I get a good crop of carrots this year and rutabagas, then perhaps I can give it a whirl. I don't think my husband's ever had it either. Um, so maybe I can make that for him. But there's lots of different ways that you can use rutabaga. Um, we often eat it actually with other roasted root vegetables. So we'll dice it together with potatoes, onions, garlic, um, actual um turnips we'll also put in um beets carrots and parsnips and sometimes celeriac or celery root if we have that too toss them with a bit of olive oil and then pop them in the oven to roast and then you know just kind of serve it kind of with a bit of salt and pepper right nothing overly complicated um i also add rutabaga to soups and stews um and of course you can have it with mashed potatoes and because we're in new england you can also add them to a boiled new england dinner and if you have no idea what a boiled new england dinner is then definitely look that up um they're kind of a a good you know easy to make one pot kind of recipe um they work very good for batch cooking. Um, I don't eat them uh, because I'm vegetarian, um, but my husband definitely enjoys a good boiled New England dinner. Now, rutabagas take a long time to grow. They're part of the cabbage or the brassica family, so you don't want to grow them in the same place that you've had other brassicas growing previously. You want to give at least a three-year break in between growing those family members. So brassica family, we're talking about cabbage, bro- broccoli, kohlrabi, radish, bok choy, mitsuna, turnips, mustards, kale, collards, brussels sprouts, and cauliflower, just to name a few, but I don't think I have named them all. Um, So you want that at least three-year break in between growing those veggies um, to reduce issues of diseases and pests. So if you had, let's say, um, broccoli growing in the garden bed like last year, then you don't want to be putting 
in anything else that's part of the brassica family for three years so put some other crops in there to kind of provide that break um, and if you're interested in how to deal with some of those issues um, then check out some of the other episodes or, or check out the blog and you know learn a bit more about crop rotation and planning your garden now turnips are often lumped together with growing rutabagas however Turnips are typically planted for a spring harvest and rutabagas are planted for a fall harvest. Both both of the crops are best sown directly in the soil, um, but for rutabagas, we want to be sowing them around midsummer and then allowing them to mature into fall when those first frosts arrive. Now, super hot weather can make your rutabagas turn woody um, and kind of horrible tasting and have like a hollow texture sometimes um so you want to try to um time your sowing of them so you want to give them at least 90 days um from your first average fall frost date now for those of us that are in a short season that means we're going to be sowing them in spring um certainly in the uk it you know would be sowing them in spring as well but your turnips were often sown a little bit earlier than that so they were kind of maturing and ready to harvest in the early springtime you want to be sowing your rutabaga seeds about four to eight inches apart and half an inch deep your rutabagas need space to grow right their leaves need plenty of room to catch that sun to help them grow and because of that you really don't want to crowd them so you want to be choosing a place in your garden that's got plenty of sunlight um although you know they can handle some shade so if you're kind of looking at areas in your garden garden and trying to decide well do I want to put my rutabagas somewhere where there's a lot of sun or do I want to put my warm weather crops I'd probably be putting the warm weather crops where you're going to maximize that sunlight because your brassicas can handle some shade um now you want to make sure that where you're putting your rutabagas um, that soil has been enriched with plenty of well-rotted compost you've got that worked into the ground um, you know before sowing those seeds but if you're using kind of no-till methods like I do then you want to be layering on some compost and things before sowing those seed um, or you can grow your uh, rutabagas where you have had peas um, or a green manure like clover growing in the spring because um, those are going to fix that nitrogen into the soil and provide a source of food for those uh, crops to grow you want to keep your watering consistent especially for something like rutabaga um, drought can make those rutabagas tough and woody um, kind of goes hand in hand with the heat right so making sure that you've got consistent regular moisture um, if in doubt then it you know it helps to kind of give them a bit of watering and also using mulch mulch is going to help keep that moisture in the soil it's going to help keep that soil temperature cooler and it's going to help control weeds so i love to use mulch i use whatever i can as mulch um, and mulching really really helps um, some of these crops thrive a lot better and it, it's great for you because it means that there's less weeding that you've got to do as well so um, taking that time to put some mulch down really really helps 
Um, and that's that's why I love a no dig, no till kind of setup now is because I get far less weeds coming up than I ever did when I was um, digging over the soil. Now, there's lots of heirloom varieties that are available for rutabaga. Um, some of them include Marion, Gilfeather, Joan, um, America, uh, America, American Purple Tarp, if I can talk this morning, um, Major Dunn. Uh, also known as Major Dune, depending on where you are. Um, the Cairns family, Erlin Rutabaga and Angela are just some of them, and I've grown most of those, um, and I love them all for different reasons. Um, the Rutabaga um, was likely developed in Sweden, which is where it gets its name of Swede from in the UK, um, but it was likely actually developed um before the Middle Ages, so before 1400, before progressing throughout Europe, um, sort of around 1500 to 1700. Um, so it's got quite a long history of being a crop. And for some people, you know, rutabagas were seen as being primarily like fodder for um, the animals, so for the the oxen and the cattle. Um, but they do make a very good food for us as well. And they are very versatile um, in the kitchen. And um, I know not enough love is given to some of these great root crops that we've got, um, you know, seeds that we can grow. Um, mild climates um, allow you to keep rutabagas in the ground until you want to eat them. I know when I was in the UK, it was pretty common to see um, rutabagas hanging out in the allotment. Um, so, you know, they're relatively easy for you to lift out of the ground um, when you're wanting to eat them. If you're in the Pacific Northwest, that's kind of got a climate similar to um, the UK, then, you know, you, you've got that flexibility there of being able to keep them in the ground. Same with some areas um, of the South, you know, um, I've got friends down in Texas and they're able to keep a lot of these um, veggies in the ground still um, because of those mild winters. Now, for those of us with a very cold climate and a lot of snow, um, we want to be thinking about lifting those rutabaga roots out with a garden fork. So being careful to lift them out um, without puncturing those um, those swollen roots um, or, you know, pulling them out by hand with the help of several friends is a good option. Um, rutabagas luckily store very well in the refrigerator or in a root cellar type of setup. Um, you can keep them stored with um, things like wood shavings or even some fall leaves. Um, that is one way that I have seen them being stored, which is amazing. Other gardeners might use damp sand. That is also another way to um, store root crops in kind of a semi-root sailor, root sailor, root cellar kind of setup. Oh my goodness. It's been, it's been a long week, I think. Um, but there's lots of options for you to store them without necessarily needing to take up all of the refrigerator space because the roots can get quite big. I'm used to having, you know, a, a big size of rutabaga, like one that's kind of giving a soccer ball a run for the money um, in terms of the size. Um, but more often than not, in the grocery store, I see them a lot smaller around you know, three or four inches, um, which, you know, is nice. Maybe it's kind of tender, but I'm used to, you know, seeing a big, a big rutabaga. 
Um, so definitely take a look at some of those um, root storage options um, if you're kind of concerned about using up that refrigerator space. Um, and there's there's lots of information that's available that you can see online, like Mother Earth News has got stuff about um, root cellars. And there's a, a book that I've been reading um, quite heavily that's got a lot of stuff about storage in there. And I'll make sure to link that up in the um, the gardening kit or the homesteading kit below. Um, and it is Will Bonsall's um, Essential Guide to Radical Self-Reliant Gardening by Will Bonsall. Um, he's actually out here in Maine and he grows a lot of um, stuff like for his you know little homestead that he's got. And, and, well I say it's little it's, it's a lot bigger than mine um but they don't have like a lot of you know refrigeration and stuff like that so they predominantly use things you know in these kind of older techniques like using a root cellar um so that's a really great resource especially if you're in the northeast like I am all right now back to your rutabagas they are part of the brassica napa species so that includes siberian kales and some species of canola or rapeseed or um, oil seed um, so if you're wanting to save your seeds then um, you want to be cautious if there's a lot of fields about there that have got you know some of this canola growing um you know you want to kind of think about what's growing nearby because rutabagas are pollinated by insects um so if you've got a field like that's growing canola right next door to you um, then you'll kind of want to think about how can you prevent that unwanted cross-pollination so you might want to think about setting up some sort of isolation cage um, you know using a floating row cover or something to prevent that unwanted cross-pollination um, you know if you're in a small garden and you don't have you know issues of like these large fields of growing these things nearby um, then you'll want to maybe think about just allowing one crop to go to seed in your garden so for example let's say you're growing angela rutabagas and you've got some siberian kale and they've both been in the ground over winter and they're starting to look like the flower maybe you let the angela rutabaga flower and go to seed for one year and you don't let that siberian kale go to seed and then perhaps the next year you can let the siberian kale seed go to flower and then seed instead um, the other alternative is with kales you could grow another kale that isn't going to cross pollinate so that would be part of the brassica oleraceae species instead um, which has got things like the curly kales and stuff like that in there but it's also got all the bro broccolis and everything else and if you're really interested in seed saving there's a lot of amazing resources available um, you can definitely check out some books from your library the seed garden is a really great one um, that is the art and practice of seed saving um, and that one was done by Seed Savers Exchange. That's a really good one. And then there's also Seed to Seed by um, Susan Ashworth. Um, that's a really great variety, uh, book uh, resource to have as well. So check those out um, if your library has those, if you're wanting to learn a bit more about seed saving and how to prevent some of that cross-pollination. Now, for rutabagas to go to seed, they need that vernalization period. So they need those cool temperatures of below 40 Fahrenheit, uh, 
four degrees Celsius um, for about 12 weeks, three months to trigger that flowering. Now, if you're in a mild area, then you can just think about leaving those smaller, younger plants in the ground. That's going to work. And then come spring, they're going to go into that reproductive cycle. Younger plants withstand the cold much better than fully mature plants. So that's a great tip for you to know. Um, if you're like me and you're gazing at three feet of sparkling snow glittering in the morning sunshine today, um, then you're going to need to protect those plants from the worst of the weather. So we're talking lots and lots of mulch, frost protection, you know, so plenty of layers of frost protection that's going to be um, over those plants to protect them from, you know, the worst of the weather or we're going to look to lift out of those plants before that hard frost in fall and then store them somewhere cool and protected. So it might be a basement, um, could be a shed, something that's unheated, right? You just want to kind of keep them protected. And if we do that, then we're going to need to cut those leaves off, keep a little bit of stem on the plants, maybe about half inch at most. Um, and you can store them in wood shavings. You know, you want to keep those roots from touching each other and avoid planting out any roots in the following spring that anything that started rotting you know we don't want to be planting that anything that's showing signs of disease we don't want to be planting that if there's cracked roots we probably don't want to be planting those either because we don't want that to continue in the seed that we're saving and then those plants are going to keep cracking you know, or having roots that crack, um, you know, or, you know, let's say they've just got a root shape that you're not wanting, right? So you want to kind of take those things out and that's known as roguing. Um, and then once the danger of a hard frost has passed in spring the following year, we can look to plant out our rutabagas. So plant out those, um, you know, little little rutabagas that we've got and put them in the ground about 18 inches apart you know put some mulch down to reduce the weeds pollinators love brassica flowers and will very happily come and visit those plants and pollinate the flowers and produce seed for you to save and grow again um, but about 18 inches apart between plants is kind of close you could go a little bit further in terms of spacing and if you're looking to grow something else in that area maybe having some sort of um, green manure growing low to the ground that's nothing that's going to interfere with you trying to save those seed um, but you know brassicas you know, some of these other crops that we've talked about that are biennials, so they'll flower the second year. A lot of new gardeners are kind of hesitant to, you know, try um, saving seed from some of these plants because they're complicated. Um, but actually, with a little bit of planning, um, it's kind of interesting to, to watch you sort of plant out, you know, like a carrot to put into the ground or an onion bulb that's sprouting, you know, putting these things back into the ground and then seeing them go through that next phase of their um, you know growth cycles kind of interesting to really see and it helps us to connect more with you know the plants that we're growing and the seeds that we're growing to really have a you know self-reliant and self-sufficient homestead even in our back garden and you know there's so many you know gardeners and you know farmers that have done this previously we've just kind of lost the art of how to do some of these things so you know if you're curious about saving your seed and 
know, maybe your favorite varieties are not available um, in the seed catalogs anymore, then maybe try your hand at saving your own seed in the garden. And let me know over in the Facebook group what variety of rutabaga you are growing in your garden this year. Until next time, I hope your garden grows beautifully and I'll see you all next week.